The following program is being brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Hello, my name is Ben Bowler from OneGod.com. Together with our partners at the Interspiritual Network and Presence International, we are thrilled to welcome you to this 13-part radio series called The Convergence, uniting the tribes in the interspiritual age. The rest of this decade and the next few decades represent a critical juncture in the evolution of our planet. At a time when consciousness is rapidly expanding, multiple crises on a global scale are also escalating. The sense of urgency is palpable. The question is this, will we wake up and will we grow up just in time to turn this around and navigate our way safely through these straits? If we are to accomplish this, two things are clear. We must do it all together and we must do it now. It is in this spirit that we present to you The Convergence, a journey of waking up and growing up with Dr. Kurt Johnson and friends, together with some of the world's leading philosophers, thinkers, artists, activists, visionaries and intergenerational leaders, we explore the cutting edges of spirituality, consciousness, ecology, social justice and a host of interconnected fields, all essential in moving our planet forward towards a peaceful and positive future. It is my pleasure to introduce to you the series host, Dr. Kurt Johnson. Thank you, Ben Boulder, for that introduction to the Convergence series. This is your host, Dr. Kurt Johnson of the Interspiritual Network, and we are really pleased to be having this discussion today about peace and conscious activism. Our co-host for today's discussion is Philip Helmich, the Director of Peace for the Shift Network and the author of the book, God and Conflict, truly an autobiographic account of Philip's own conflict resolution work in war-tone zones of Africa, and his years as a Kriya Yoga practitioner. Those familiar with Philip's book will know that it laid out a broad and profound understanding of the intricate relationship both in the world within us and the world without when it comes to what propels peace or conflict. This movement to peace is truly an evolutionary threshold in our species, as we also pointed out in our recent episode four on altruism and our episode five on subtle activism. At Shift, Philip has been a part of creating the Summer of Peace program, and he's also the lead designer of the World Peace Library. In 2012, he presented at the first United Nations high-level forum on the culture of peace. The Virtual World Peace Library, which they launched in 2014, includes interviews with over 350 peace builders representing over 15 sectors of society, including science, spirituality, education, business, the military, and so on. Truly a convergence in itself. So especially in this first segment, what we've asked is Philip to tell us more about his work at Shift with regard to peace and especially some of the discoveries that they've made about the diverse nature of peace-related work, what is being learned about what constitutes it, and what is needed to make it truly effective and successful. 
So we'll start with that, and then Philip will introduce his two guests, James O'Day and Emily Hine, who we're so pleased to have with us today, and they can move into their discussion. So welcome, Philip, and let me turn it over to you now to talk about this diverse nature of peace-related work and what you've learned about it. Yeah, wonderful, Kurt. First of all, just thank you. It's a real delight to be here with you on this series. Just, it's really just a wonderful collection of conversations you've brought together. And so I just want to do a brief, a brief look at, you know, what we've been doing at the Shift Network. We've been interviewing hundreds of, you mentioned hundreds of people from around the world. And through that, we've been mapping many of the different ways that peace, peacemaking and peace building are emerging around the world, and we'd like to say from inner peace to international peace building. And, and as you've mentioned, this has been across over 20-some sectors of society. And so from this bird's-eye view, we have found that there's been an exponential growth of approaches, um, approaches to peace and institutions arising. And, and anyway, everything from people finding peace in themselves to living more peacefully in relationships and their neighbors and, you know, and so forth. And just a few examples, you know, there's been, the last few decades, there's been a, just a dramatic increase in the spread of yoga and meditation around the world. In fact, yoga is now, the United Nations has June 21st, the International Day of Yoga. And so there's been a spread of these ancient spiritual sciences together with other techniques, you know, on how to find inner peace. And meanwhile, there's also been just this growth of scientific research looking at these ancient spiritual practices, plus research on compassion. We'll hear more about that with Emily Hine later in the program. And as you mentioned, altruism, forgiveness, and, you know, other aspects of social-emotional intelligence. There's been a spread of nonviolent communication, which was started by Marshall Rosenberg, and that's been, you know, just spread around the world. There's a dramatic increase in the number of schools with conflict resolution, peace study programs, peer mediation programs. I mean, there was only a handful in 1984, and now there's, you know, hundreds of college and university programs, plus in, you know, other levels of school. Uh, community mediation, alternative dispute resolution are now more commonplace and spreading. Um, there's some incredible di- um, dialogues and collaboration between, you know, unlikely bedfellows such as the military and peace builders looking at the root causes of terrorism. Then we've got the institutions like the United Nations, the International Criminal Court, Criminal Criminal Court, which are getting more established. So if you look at all these different approaches, we, we can see that there's been quietly emerging again from this larger collective consciousness, from the hearts and minds and souls of individuals around the world to responding to these different different challenges that we're all facing. And so what we've been doing at the Shift Network, we've been highlighting the positive efforts of peace and trying to, trying to accelerate them to encourage people first just to understand the broader understanding of peace in many different ways it's taking place and how they can get involved. And in this way, kind of contributing to a new narrative peace from, you know, again, like we like to say, from inner peace to international peace building. And... And we find that, you know, right now, there's all this positive growth, but also the challenges are increasing. I mean, we see that around the world, you know, particularly now in the post-U.S. election environment, there's just so many more challenges. Um, I mean, we we know the range from climate change to, um, you know, racism and, and hate crimes and so forth. And so... I like to quote Velcro Ripper. He says, the world is getting better and better, worse and worse, faster and faster. And so, again, this is why we've been really focusing on this larger emergence around the world 
And an area that I think is particularly exciting is the area of conscious activism. And, and James O'Dee, you know, our first guest that we'll be bringing on here in just a minute, is, is really, really the person who's been championing an, a, a deeper understanding of conscious activism. And then later in the program, I'll bring on Emily Hine, and Emily Hines is another inspiring peace builder who's been working with mindfulness and compassion as they relate to conscious activism. So with that, Kurt, I'd like to um, bring on um, our friend James O'Dee, and just to close out this session. Does that sound good? Absolutely. And, James, and Kurt and I both know James well. James, James is the author of The Conscious Activism. Author of the Conscious Activist, where activism meets mysticism, and this book has won the uh, cover Conscious Living Book Award. James is well-known figure in international social healing, who has conducted healing and reconciliation dialogues for 20 years. His work as co-director of the Social Healing Project led him to Rwanda, Israel, Palestine, Northern Ireland. He's on the extended faculty of the Institute of Nordic Science and its past president, was also the former Washington, D.C. Office Director of Amnesty International for over 10 years. Um, he's testified for Congress. He was the CEO of Save the Foundation. It goes on and on. And James also has um, been active with us at the SHIP Network on the Summer of Peace Wisdom Council and the co-creator, first lead trainer of the Peace Ambassador Training. You can learn more about James at jamesod.com. And more from my heart, though, is I've known James since 1991, and James has been just a wonderful co-mentor of somebody who really has the frontline experience of peace building and also the heart of a mystic and a deep understanding of leading-edge scientific research around neuroscience and consciousness. So, James, um, thank you for being with us. Thank you so much, Philip. It's great to be with you. Yeah, and Emily, well, too wonderful to be with you. Yeah, it's really nice, James. It's really nice. Well, we're we're going to have um, some more time here before we go into a break. But just just briefly, just just tell us a little bit about just just a brief little bit about what is conscious activism. Well, maybe uh, let's just look at what the mystic is: somebody who forsakes orthodox religion in the quest for direct experience of the divine. And the traditional activist is one who believes transformation of the social order requires mobilization of action to change systems and and collective behaviors. And sometimes to do so relies on a certain ideological framework. And what we call the conscious activist sees that a primary field of action is to recognize and tackle the manifest ego, the manifestation of ego and all of its illusions in the self, the dissolution of psychic wounds and blockages and their transformation, the courage to express spiritual values such as oneness, to seeing what we would call the light of God in all beings and celebrating the spiritual heart of service. And I would say, Philip, 
the joy of evolving, growing, and learning. And this is so important for the conscious activist because that's how we integrate science and spirituality when you commit to growing in knowledge and cultivating the highest wisdom possible. Then we get that wonderful weave of psychology, spirituality, science, the convergence that this radio series is so much about. Mm, wonderful, James. Well, James, we're, we're going <laughs> to... This is always so rich when we're in these conversations. We're going to take a brief break, and we're just going to pick right back up and, and go for another 10-minute segment going deeper into all of this. So we'll be right back. The world is warming up as we are Mother Nature's The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Seek greater awareness. This is Ben from OneGod.com and World Weaver Spiritual Adventures with a very special invitation to join us on an upcoming interspiritual tour of India called The Mystic Express. We are so excited about this program and we've been working towards it for many years. Together with key hosts and luminary guests from the Convergence Radio Series, we invite you to take the trip of a lifetime through the deeply mystical land of India, source to so many of the world's great spiritual traditions. You will be personally guided by learned masters through the traditions of Hinduism, Buddhism, Jainism, Sikhism and Sufism. More than just an incredible learning journey, this promises to be a moving, soulful experience that will transform each of us and the way we see the world. This facilitated mystical journey is leaving Delhi on March 14, 2017 and finishes up back in Delhi on March 27. All aboard. For more information, go to worldweavers.com and look for the Mystic Express. World Weavers, Adventures of the Spirit. Hi friends, this is Ben from OneGod.com with a special announcement. We hope you're enjoying this radio series, The Convergence, a journey of waking up and growing up with Dr. Kurt Johnson and friends. Many of the ideas that have gone into making this series had their original expression through Kurt's landmark book, The Coming Into Spiritual Age. It's a modern-day spiritual classic full of inspired thinking and heralding an optimistic future right within our grasp. As a special gift to listeners of The Convergence, Dr. Johnson is giving you the first four chapters as a gift. In these first 50 pages, Kurt and co-author David Ord lay out the framework for their grand, integrated, interspiritual vision, a vision that Ken Wilber says might very well change your world. To get your free download of this incredible gift, just go to onegod.com, that's the number one, god.com, and follow the links. Hello everyone, this is Ben from OneGod.com. We hope you are enjoying this series, The Convergence, Uniting the Tribes in the Interspiritual Age. For those of you looking to take a deeper dive into any of this amazing material, Dr. Kurt Johnson has created a magnificent online learning program called Interspiritual Mastery. And we are thrilled to be hosting this course and our new education platform, One God Academy. The Interspiritual Mastery Program will take you on a guided journey through amazing developments in spirituality, ecology, indigenous wisdom and more, giving you a window seat to the dawn of the interspiritual age. For more information on this exciting new program, please go to onegod.com, that's the number one, god.com, and follow the links to the Academy. Invite meaning and inspiration to your life. 
This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. You are tuned in to The Convergence. You may connect with our program today by calling toll-free 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. Or send us an email to info at onegod.com. That's I-N-F-O at the number one, God.com. Now back to this week's program. Welcome back to Convergence. I'm Philip Helmick here, and we're having a dialogue about peace and conscious activism. And I'm here with James O'Dee, who just gave us a profound overview of conscious activism. And James, I just would love for you just to continue with what, particularly the aspect of joy in, in, in conscious activism. So please just pick up right back where you left off here. Well, I think, you know, you cannot really survive on the spiritual path without serving joy because in the spiritual knowledge and wisdom that we're given from practice, we see that all is resolved, all is part of a resolution process, all is part of an evolving, growing learning process. And that gives us tremendous hope and joy to move through the shadow material, the the dark and ominous times that we live, without a Pollyannish kind of joy. It's it's that combination of oneness where the bitter and the sweet becomes one. And we realize that one just has to play one's part in that story. Mm. And the story today is, as you were intimating, Philip, acute. And it's wonderful from uh, the conscious activist spiritual perspective because it's the time of the razor's edge for all of us. You know, we really have to watch very, very keenly and vigilantly our own thoughts, our own insidious self-righteousness I mean, Hillary got caught at one point by calling a number of Trump supporters as deplorables. And that's exactly what we need to watch at this time, is castigating others, but rather watching our own inner process with real vigilance so that we remain true to an all-inclusive compassion, remain true to deep dialogue and and really Mm. incarnating and manifesting our values down to the finest detail. That's what the race Mm -hmm. is about at this time. Mm -hmm. James, I I just, I love how you bring this together, um, that razor's edge, because in your book, The Conscious Activist, I mean, you really talk about how you went through the crucible of being in some really difficult places, Lebanon and so forth, just heartbreaking, and yet you allowed that heartbreak to deepen into your mystical journey. I mean, could you tell us a little bit, just bringing this into the personal, about being in this crucible at this, this acute time, because there's so many of us that are just like, oh, my God, concerned. Right. And yet how, yeah, how... how how have you brought this into your spiritual journey? So many of us, as you say, are feeling that 
shadow world is just growing. In my own case, uh, at one point, I was in Beirut, and uh, there had been the massacre of the Palestinians. I was with doctors, you know, who saw women and children murdered under their beds, on the roads, at dining tables. And I really went into a very dark place, Philip. I thought humanity is so sick and disordered. How are we ever going to retrieve a positive vision for the future? And I went south to another Palestinian camp some weeks later and found everybody mourning and the whole camp bombed. And in the middle of the rubble, there was a man who invited the doctors and I to have coffee with him in the rubble. As he pulled out his calor gas stove, he served us with incredible pride and dignity, coffee in the midst of ruin and rubble. And it was there I had an epiphany, that sense of the indomitable nature of the spirit, that we are spiritual beings having sometimes these catastrophic situations, but yet that seeing of the spirit in that man really reminded me the the true path that I was on, which is to lift up and always share the light of that spirit, that, that indomitable hopefulness, that deep decency that can be found even in the most terrible places. And people are so upset at the moment and so rightfully concerned about what is happening in the world as the bedrock of meaning unravels, as you know, the poet William Butler Yeats referred to it, the center cannot hold. You know, the sense that there will be anarchy and grave danger to human civilization. And yet, that raises edge I was talking about, says keep your vision on collective well-being, on a truly positive future. Act from a place of radical inclusion. Listen with full-bodied attention to the wound that is unspoken and live as passionately as you can and as integrated in an integrated way as possible. Your own mm. morally inspired conscience is a time mm. when really the depths are calling us out as never before to reveal the powers of spirit. Mm. James, I... My friend, I just... I, I get moved every time we talk. And I, for people who are listening, just please know, I, I encourage you, first of all, go in order of the conscious activism. Conscious activists where mysticism meets activism because James really goes into some heart, just heartbreaking stories, and yet he's doing exactly in this journey of sharing with us about how to go through that crucible and how to allow the heart to break open and how to really address the shallows and go into. And, and James, you've just been so masterful in, in your book and also the trainings that you've done of just really showing how to integrate. So what words of, what words of encouragement do you give to people who are listening right now? It's like, 
wait, wait, um, I'm overwhelmed, I'm concerned, I'm scared. Um, you know, how, how, do, how do I become a conscious activist? <clears throat> My tea bag this morning when I was having breakfast had one of those wisdom notes on it, and it says, you cannot be truly happy until you realize who you are. Mm-hmm. And I think in the center of all of this is the realization of the gift that each of us is. When you begin to realize that you can live the gift of who you are, that's all the apparatus you need. It's really an extraordinarily powerful aid in not only your personal happiness, but in your gift to the world. And Mm. in celebrating your work and Kurt's work and Emily's work, this is the time of the convergence when the, the heart of what we can really truly discover about who we are and why we're here on the planet is being revealed to those who will step into it. And I think the next thing is not, not to get pulled off course by all the noise that's going on. They say in when you're on the river and in the rapids, don't let your attention go to the rocks because you'll end up where your attention goes. But you know, follow the central stream of the water. And I think that's what we need to do in that sense too. We need to keep tuning into Mother Nature and her voice. And we need to in very simple but potent ways, build beloved community at part of it all, of all of this confluence of different forces at this time. There are, is a, a voice in humanity that is aching to come together, that is aching to be held, to be loved, and we can build deeply beloved and conscious community anywhere we are and Hmm. always and ever, Philip, everybody on this call I know is dedicated to dialogue. Daya means Hmm. through. Logos is higher mind. Through a higher mind, through coming together to find deeper truth together, not to reject each other as deplorable or hateful, not even when we see very unskillful choices being made, but to enter that space together that human beings can do. I've seen it with former Nazis and Holocaust survivors. I've seen it with people in deep conflict in Rwanda. They can come together and find that higher space of wisdom and communion together. That's what we can do in very simple ways as we face these challenging times. Beautiful, James. Beautiful, beautiful. Um, mm. Well, to a break here, and and I just want to thank you for being with us, James. And um, my friend, I'm I'm just deeply touched. I want to encourage everyone to go to jamesod.com. That's jamesodea.com. Look at the Conscious Activist 
And James, my friend, again, thank you. Thank you so much for being with us in this conversation. And we're going to go to a brief break now and bring on Emily Hine next. The world is warming up as we are Mother Nature's Visionary. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Hi friends, this is Ben from OneGod.com with a special announcement. We hope you're enjoying this radio series, The Convergence, a journey of waking up and growing up with Dr. Kurt Johnson and friends. Many of the ideas that have gone into making this series had their original expression through Kurt's landmark book, The Coming Into Spiritual Age. It's a modern-day spiritual classic full of inspired thinking and heralding an optimistic future right within our grasp. As a special gift to listeners of The Convergence, Dr. Johnson is giving you the first four chapters as a gift. In these first 50 pages, Kurt and co-author David Ord lay out the framework for their grand, integrated, interspiritual vision, a vision that Ken Wilber says might very well change your world. To get your free download of this incredible gift, just go to onegod.com, that's the number one, G-O-D.com, and follow the links. This is Ben from onegod.com and World Weaver Spiritual Adventures with a very special invitation to join us on an upcoming interspiritual tour of India called The Mystic Express. We are so excited about this program and we've been working towards it for many years. Together with key hosts and luminary guests from the Convergence Radio Series, we invite you to take the trip of a lifetime through the deeply mystical land of India, source to so many of the world's great spiritual traditions. You will be personally guided by learned masters through the traditions of Hinduism, Buddhism, Jainism, Sikhism and Sufism. More than just an incredible learning journey, this promises to be a moving, soulful experience that will transform each of us and the way we see the world. This facilitated mystical journey is leaving Delhi on March 14, 2017 and finishes up back in Delhi on March 27. All aboard. For more information, go to worldweavers.com and look for the Mystic Express. Worldweavers, Adventures of the Spirit. Hello. We hope you are enjoying this series on the Convergence, uniting the tribes in the interspiritual age. For those of you looking to take a deeper dive into any of this amazing material, Dr. Kurt Johnson has created an entire online learning program called Interspiritual Mastery, and we are thrilled to be hosting this course on our new education platform, One God Academy. The Interspiritual Mastery program will take you on a guided journey through the amazing developments in spirituality, ecology, indigenous wisdom, and more giving you a window seat to the dawn of the interspiritual age. For more information on this exciting new program, please go to onegod.com. That's the number one, G-O-D.com. And follow the links to the Academy. Join us in changing the world through the work of waking up and growing up. And let us all strive to unite the tribes in this interspiritual age. The Seventh Wave Channel on The Voice America Network. You are tuned in to The Convergence. You may connect with our program today by calling toll-free 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. Or send us an email to info at onegod.com. That's I-N-F-O at the number one, God.com. Now back to this week's program. Now 
Welcome back to Convergence. I'm Philip Helmick, the director of Pizza Ship Network. And I just have to say, we just had an amazing conversation with James O'Dee, the author of The Conscious Activist, Activist Where Mysticism Meets Activism. And in that, uh, I'm just always, always delighted and grateful to be talking with James. And I'm going to be bringing on now our next special guest, is Emily Hine, who's also worked closely with James in the past. And Emily Hine is the CEO of Hindsight Consulting and is the founder and host of the Global Compassion Summit. Emily is also an inspirational writer and speaker. And after 9-11, Emily quit her job at Microsoft in order to commit her life to expanding peace and compassion in the world. Shortly thereafter, she served on the executive team for the Seeds of Compassion, a global event with the Dalai Lama and Archbishop Desmond Tutu that brought over 150,000 people together. Emily then became the chief of Peace of the Shift Network, where I must say that she then hired me at the Shift Network, which I'm delighted with. Thank you, Emily. And Emily co-designed our first Peace Ambassador training with James O'Dean, and Emily now serves on the faculty here at the Shift Network, and she and I are uh, teaching Peace Ambassador training. So Emily, and Emily's website is emilyhine.com. Highly, highly recommend to check it out because you've got some wonderful resources there and blogs. So Emily, my friend, thank you so much for being with us. Of course, Philip. It's my pleasure to be here with you and with Kurt and with James. What an honor. And, well, Emily, first of all, can we both just acknowledge the deep wisdom that James just shared? Oh, James has been just extraordinary, a mentor, a friend, a guide for so many of us in this peace-building arena. I, every time I hear his voice, I feel like I get reprogrammed <laughs> to, you know, continue to anchor my commitment to this work. So, absolutely, what a gift. Yeah, yeah, and, and big time. And, you know, I know... Your work over the last several years and the one that you're embodying also is just really looking at how to be deepening the inner spiritual process and being fully active in the world. And you also have been bridging, the even bridging the intersection of science, spirituality, and activism, um, you know, through, through your study of mindfulness and study of compassion, um, compassion at Stanford University. Um, tell us just, you know, a little bit about your, just so folks know a little bit more about your background with compassion and mindfulness and as it relates to peace building. Sure, sure. So at a high level, like many people who are probably listening to this, I have a calling to work for peace in the world. And as Philip mentioned, it happened you know, shortly after 9-11. I made that commitment. It was both a spiritual and a, and a human desire. And in that capacity of making that commitment, I had the great pleasure of uh, coming to Shift Network um, to work as Chief of Peace, and prior to that, I had the experience of working with the Dalai Lama and on compassion. And so, what I've noticed is that peace and compassion really go hand in hand. And I wanted to dive deeper into the realms of compassion, so I decided to go study at an organization called CCARE, which is at Stanford University. And CCARE is an acronym that stands for the Center for Compassion, Altruism, Research, and Education. And what's beautiful about the C-Care group at Stanford is that they really are doing the research behind, you know, what is compassion? Is it an innate state that we all have? Are we born with it? They're doing the research to show what compassion is and how we can cultivate more of it. And when you look at compassion and you look at the role that it has to play right now, 
especially as we look at the global stage, we have to look at it as a peace-building anchor or a tool of peace-building. And let me tell you what I mean by that. When you look at compassion, I like to look at it from a um, kind of a a four-step definition, and this is what I learned when I went through the Stanford program to get certified to teach compassion. There are really four steps to compassion. The first is that there's mindful recognition that suffering is occurring, right? We have to be mindful and know that it's happening. The second is to have that sympathetic concern or maybe be emotionally moved by someone else's pain. The third is wanting to relieve the suffering, and the fourth is actually taking action. This is really important in peace building because, as James said, there's so many times that we're faced with the rubble. How do we turn towards that pain and still take action? And compassion is a tool that gives us that courage to turn towards it. So, yes. you know, that's, that's a little bit of a, you know, a reason why compassion and peace go hand in hand. And as you mentioned, Philip, I've had this great fortune to host a global compassion summit uh, on the Shift Network now for the last two years, and I'm so grateful to Shift for hosting these free educational opportunities through the Summer of Peace. And what I've learned in hosting dozens of speakers now uh, from neuroscientists to psychologists to practitioners to monks, is that mindfulness is a critical precursor to compassion. And I mentioned that in the definition of compassion, but I think why this is so critical is that you're seeing mindfulness all over the media now, right? It's everywhere. It's in corporate America, thank goodness. <laughs> and people are curious, what is this? What is mindfulness? And it's really this ability to be in the present moment with an acceptance of what is, even if what is is mm-hmm. painful. And so when it's painful, we need a tool to work with it, and that's where compassion comes in. And when we work with the pain and we use compassion, then we are literally taking steps towards inner peace, and we are also taking steps towards being a peace activist or a, or a sacred activist, if you will, a conscious activist, as James and you have talked. This is what's a critical on-ramp, in my opinion. Yeah, I, mean, I, I love that definition of, of mindfulness and, you know, being in the present moment and accepting what, what is. I mean, that could be really challenging right now. And, you know, um, I've had people tell me, well, you know, is meditation a luxury? Um, you know, how can you be meditating when there's so much suffering in the world, but yet, you know, mindfulness is one type of meditation. You're really talking about being present to what is. Yes. And then allowing oneself to open to compassion. Now, this is really where the conscious activist, where it really hits the road, um, the rubber hits the road in terms of opening oneself up to the potential of compassion. Talk a little bit about um, your experience with that opening to the suffering and then how to bring in the tools of compassion so a person doesn't get overwhelmed or lost with with the suffering that they're, they're, they're facing? Okay, great question. And, and it has multiple layers. So first, there's the willingness to be compassionate to oneself, meaning that you have to be willing to do that inner work, which James mentioned in his segment as well. And to do that inner work requires you know a, a certain level of courage. Um, and when you have the courage to look at your own wounds and heal those, um, just as a side note, you are less triggered by and uh, less disturbed by the external circumstances of the world because it's not affecting you as much at a personal level. Now, that's not to say that the tragedies of the world 
won't be felt by you. They will. They absolutely will. And the reason compassion is such an important salve, if you will, is that there's this step of, you know, feeling with the other. That second step is feeling with the other. I feel your pain. But where a lot of people who want to be conscious activists get stuck is that they stay in that second state, that state of pain. And it's incredibly important that we move through that more quickly, that we recognize, I feel your pain because I'm one with you, brother. I'm one with you, sister. And next step is, I want to do something to help you, and I take some action to help you. Now, let's let's use a, a benign example. If you are, let's say you're in the healthcare field, and there are so many patients suffering, you can't help them all. And you're, you're approaching that state of burnout. I'm using this as an example. Instead of feeling like you've got to put on a cape and rescue everyone, there really is a time and place for you to sit with yourself in meditation, bring those people to mind, and simply wish them uh, a freedom from suffering. You know, bringing to mind their energy, their hearts, their suffering, and wishing them free from pain. So phrases like, may you be free from suffering. May you know peace and joy. Right? There are things that we can do without getting in and, and further fragmenting ourselves and further going into the pain and burning out. We've got to reset ourselves, avoid the burnout, and then come back when we're more resilient to do more. Does that make sense? Yeah. That's excellent. And what I love about with, you know, with the Global Compassion Summit, I mean, you've really talked about how people are bringing in these ancient mindfulness practices. And then Stanford, you know, and other universities are researching, you know, the neuroscience behind that compassion. And then when you combine that with other tools of peace building, like nonviolent communication and other things, then we really have the basis for proactively engaging in the world. Uh, we're going to go to a break here in a minute, Emily. When we come back, I'd love for you to tell us a little bit more about um, more about the science of this, and then we can look at a skill, a tool that people could apply. Uh, but we're going to need to go to a break here, and so we'll be back in just a moment uh, with Emily Hine, and we'll bring Kurt Johnson back on also. All right, thank you. The world is warming up as we Mother Nature's This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. This is Ben from OneGod.com and World Weaver Spiritual Adventures with a very special invitation to join us on an upcoming interspiritual tour of India called The Mystic Express. We are so excited about this program and we've been working towards it for many years. Together with key hosts and luminary guests from the Convergence Radio Series, we invite you to take the trip of a lifetime through the deeply mystical land of India, source to so many of the world's great spiritual traditions. You will be personally guided by learned masters through the traditions of Hinduism, Buddhism, Jainism, Sikhism and Sufism. More than just an incredible learning journey, this promises to be a moving, soulful experience that will transform each of us and the way we see the world. This facilitated mystical journey is leaving Delhi on March 14, 2017 and finishes up back in Delhi on March 27. All aboard. For more information, go to worldweavers.com and look for the Mystic Express. World Weavers, Adventures of the Spirit. Hello everyone, this is Ben from OneGod.com. 
We hope you are enjoying this series, The Convergence, Uniting the Tribes in the Interspiritual Age. For those of you looking to take a deeper dive into any of this amazing material, Dr. Kurt Johnson has created a magnificent online learning program called Interspiritual Mastery. And we are thrilled to be hosting this course and our new education platform, One God Academy. The Interspiritual Mastery program will take you on a guided journey through amazing developments in spirituality, ecology, indigenous wisdom and more, giving you a window seat to the dawn of the interspiritual age. For more information on this exciting new program, please go to onegod.com, that's the number one, god.com, and follow the links to the Academy. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. You are tuned in to The Convergence. You may connect with our program today by calling toll-free 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. Or send us an email to info at onegod.com. That's I-N-F-O at the number one, God.com. Now back to this week's program. Welcome back to Convergence. I'm Philip Helmick, the Director of Peace with the Shift Network, and I'm hosting a conversation here about peace and consciousness, uh, conscious activism, and we're in a dialogue now with Emily Hine, the CEO of, of Hindsight, um, and Emily, I, I just love, you know, we've had, we talked with James O'Dee earlier, and now you're really bringing in the, the science and spiritual aspect of compassion. So, you know, right now in the world, there's a quite a bit of polarization. Can you tell us a little bit about around the, how the polarization happens and what are practical ways that people, people can bring compassion into, into polarized situations? Well, sure. I think before we talk about the polarization, we have to get back to our DNA, actually. Um, in essence, as human beings, you mentioned earlier, Philip, that uh, the science of compassion is so interesting we are literally hardwired for compassion. It's in our physiology. And because we're hardwired for compassion, we have this uh, innate desire to care for our young, and this is what has caused us to be able to survive as a species. Now, that said, our survival also depended on us being very conscientious about who else is around us and quickly making assessments whether they are friend or foe. And so what happens in today's modern society is that there's still this survival mechanism in us. It's, it's an auto-response. It's biological. And we are still doing that assessment of who's friend or foe, who's on the same page as me, who's potentially a threat to my survival. And so what happens then is we start to discriminate. Um, sometimes it's consciously and sometimes it's unconsciously. And it's in that discrimination that part of the polarization happens. Of course, polarization has many layers to it, right? It's, it's a differing, difference of opinions, a difference of lifestyle, a difference of political ideologies, but at the very base level, we have to look at, are we putting ourselves in a position to actually connect with the other person that we're maybe in disagreement with, or are we discriminating against them, which makes it almost impossible to come to the table as an equal partner? And that's what's critical, not only for compassion, but for peace building. So um, I think the science of compassion shows us that um, when we are making those quick assessments, are you a friend or a foe, um, we're doing so on what Susan Fisk from uh, Princeton calls a warmth and competence scale. She's actually studied discrimination and she's studied what causes us to separate. 
and we're quickly making these assessments. Is somebody warm and competent, or are they cold and incompetent? And when we look at the map of how we just automatically categorize people, we can quickly put people in the cold and incompetent category simply because they're different from us in their religion, in what they look like, in their lifestyle. This is where we get into trouble. This is where we dehumanize. This is where the polarization happens. And in order for compassion to be true, we have to look at the other as the equal. And this is where common humanity comes in. Common humanity is an essential part of compassion. Common humanity says we must see ourselves as equal to the other, not above, right? And so mm. you know, this, is, this is what I think is so critical, this term common humanity, that even though someone might have a difference of opinion, religion, political aspirations from me, even though I still am a human being with them, they are still part of my tribe, I see the light of God in even that person, just as, as James was saying, the light of God must be seen in all beings if we're going to walk the path of a well, conscious activist. Well, well Emily, that, first of all, that's beautiful. I love that scientific background and the survival part. Well, someone, for someone listening, how can they do that? You know, if, ah. if they're learning, yeah, just a practical tool that they can apply right now. This is great, Philip. Thanks for asking that question. This is, a, this is one you can put in your pocket every single day, no matter where you are, what you're doing. And, and if you like, you can actually practice this with me. Um, if it's helpful for you to focus, just go ahead and close your eyes and bring to mind somebody with whom you have a little bit of difficulty. Um, maybe don't pick somebody who's, you know, you're, you're in a harsh fight with, but just somebody who you have a little bit of difficulty with, maybe a light conflict, be friend or family member or somebody in your community. And, and as you bring that person to mind, think about how you feel about your exchange with them. Maybe there's a little bit of grittiness in your system, you might feel just a little bit uncomfortable or agitated. And then just cultivate this thought, just like me, this person is somebody's friend, family member, loved one. Just like me, this person may be somebody's son or daughter, mother or father, sister or brother. And just like me, this person longs to be happy and free from suffering. And as you cultivate those thoughts, you can even set, send a beautiful intention to that person, such as, may you be happy, may you be free from suffering, may you know peace and joy. And after you've sent those thoughts, now bring that person to mind again and notice if something in your body hasn't shifted just a little bit. There might be a softening in your heart, an ability to see that person as just like me. This is a very easy way to remember our common humanity. We are all in this together. And if we can't remember that basic part, um, we've got we to reset until we can. And then from that place, anything is possible. So, yeah. Mm. That's beautiful. I, mean, I, love, I love that that's just something right there. It's like, first of all, you talk about the mindfulness. Huh, I can be aware of that. I'm judging, being critical. Oh, catch myself, and then just like me, and that it's in our DNA to be compassionate if we can, you know, access that part of warmth and competence. And so that's, that's just beautiful. Any, any closing words here, Emily? We're going to need to wrap up this, this part of the conversation. Well, actually, we're wrapping up the, the, the entire conversation here. Any closing words about compassion and mindfulness for people, you know, who particularly post-U.S. election environment, you know, impacting people around the world? Yes, yes, you have time for it. 
if, if one more person says to me, I don't have time to sit in meditation and be mindful, um, you don't have time not to right now. The energy in our world is really wonky. <laughs> There's my technical term. And the best thing we can do for it is to stay centered ourselves. And one of the easiest ways to do that is to sit in meditation, connect to yourself, your higher self, connect to the universal consciousness that we all have access to, and, and cultivate these thoughts of compassion. This is a muscle. We must exercise it. Mindfulness is a muscle. We must exercise it. You have time for this. If you are committed to peace and if you're committed to compassion, you have time to cultivate these kinds of thoughts so that when you step out in the world, you truly do see the light of God in all beings. And when there is the inevitable conflict which is going to arise, you will handle it in a way that retains love, respect, dignity, connection. And those are all key elements of us living in a peaceful world. Beautiful, Emily. Emily, thank you so much for being with us, and thank you for so much of what you're doing and embodying in the world. It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me, Philip. And I want to thank everyone who's been on the call at uh, this conversation with listening. And also, you know, Emily and I like to say inner peace is a global responsibility. There's much more to that, because when we tap into this deeper essence of peace, we are then awaken our innate capacity for compassion. We can also then are inspired take action in the world in ways that include other people. And so inner peace is a global responsibility and conscious activism is something that we can all embrace. And if you can, you can go to the shiftnetwork.com to learn more about some programs that we have there, including the peace ambassador training that Emily are teaching, or you can go to the worldpeacelibrary.com for some free resources. And with that, I would um, want to, bring back Dr. Kurt Johnson and also mentioned to Kurt that today, January 5th, is the anniversary of Paramahansa Yogananda's birthday and he is considered the grandfather of yoga, bringing it to the West and really bridging science and spirituality. So, Kurt, back over Yeah, wow. Yeah, I mean, how, how many people on this call are people whose life was changed by reading the autobiography of a yogi? I can start ticking off a list of my friends, you know, right now. I also wanted to say real quickly, you know, what Emily said about having time. There's that famous uh, quotation of Nisargadatta Maharaj where he said, you know, people ask, why do I put flower, flowers on a picture of my guru every day when I'm famous but no one had ever heard of my guru? Um, and he said it's because he said I could find enlightenment in my spare time. And he was correct. <laughs> so <laughs> I've always thought that that was a rather profound but humorous uh you know, humorous note. So, Philip, thank you so much, and a huge thanks to Philip Helmick and James O'Dea and Emily Hine for what's really been a profound discussion about peace and peace work and peace studies. Uh, it, it's really been great having you here, and I look forward to uh, talking with you guys about what we'll create for our section called Continue the Conversation, which is at the website uh, onegod.com slash convergence. There's a continue the conversation section for every episode, and I'll be back to you guys about what we do with that. So next week, we're going to be really excited to have uh, Deepak Chopra, and he'll be discussing all the new developments in holistic science and our understanding of consciousness, which has been such a part of his own work. Now, I'm sure that Deepak Chopra is a household word to almost everybody who's listening, and you're going to be excited to hear that discussion. Now, he'll be hosted by Claudia Wealth of the uh, Global Coherence Initiative, 
Foundation for Conscious Evolution and co-founder of Global Nexus. Um, from having myself been a co-presenter with Deepak Chopra at the last several conferences on science and non-duality, I can absolutely guarantee you that you're going to want to hear his discussion of what's new in science and our knowledge of consciousness with, uh, with Claudia Wells. So until then, we hope you enjoy Yogananda's birthday and that you're enjoying this whole New Year's season. Thank you for joining our team, Dr. Kurt Johnson, Ben Bowler, and Doug King for The Convergence. We invite you to tune in again next Thursday at 5 p.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel for another edition of the program. Until we talk again, have an outstanding week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.